1: to the Unbelievable Podcast, I am B.J. Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we are talking about a Minnesota Vikings victory. Vikings beat the Los Angeles Chargers 39-10 to on the road yesterday as of this recording, so we'll go through uh, the key moments there and give you a little bit of a breakdown and a review of that performance for the Vikes. Uh, we'll then do the skull scale, which we actually haven't done in a couple, I believe a couple weeks now, so we'll catch up in on the uh catch up on the skull scale check in with you guys there see where everyone's optimism is at and then we'll finish up the show with uh, some discussions surrounding some other minnesota sports teams i mentioned the previous podcast the wild are surging uh, that actually is it it, it cha- hasn't really changed but it's continued um since the last time i spoke with you guys and then we'll talk a little bit about the excuse me the twins um and not really doing a whole much at the at the at the uh, hot stove winter meetings uh, arena there and Drew might have a little something to say about his Timberwolves who are hmm. falling apart at the seam. So that's yes. the game plan for today. Uh, let's jump right into it here. Um, I will give you your summary that of the Vikings game that you didn't think or really need, period. No, you, they don't need. You don't need this. Go, go right. ahead. Here's the summary. So Vikings got it started with an outstanding 10-play drive to start off the game. That ended with another Herb Smith touchdown. That's number two on the year for the rookie tight end who I, I – Considering how many people, or excuse me, how many prospects went in front of him, feels like an absolute steal. Uh, He continues to make big plays. Uh, Los Angeles followed that up with a Michael Badgley field goal. Uh, That would be his only field goal of the night. And the second quarter kicks off with a Dan Bailey field goal, so we're starting to get a little bit worried at this point because Mike Williams catches a two-yard score. That's coming from Phillip Rivers, of course. And then the Vikings add another field goal. I think this is kind of the point. In the second quarter where people are starting to get a little bit worried. It's twelve to ten. And Fetty O'Denigbo makes his you know, the biggest play of his career to date. Uh, he said on Twitter yesterday it was the only touchdown he's ever scored in his career. Uh, he picks up a fumble, I believe that was forced by Daniel Hunter, and takes that to the house fifty-six yards in the Vikings lead by nine at halftime in a split second there. Uh, Vikings come out in the second half and shut out the Chargers. The defense was outstanding throughout. Uh, tons of forced fumbles. I believe there was, what, four of them in total, and the Vikings recovered three? Something. I along think the there th-
0: was – I think I saw that Eric Thompson tweeted the that total yesterday between both teams, there were seven fumbles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and zero of them were recovered by the Chargers. <laughs> so –
1: Mike nice. just had a yeah good fumble luck yesterday. Uh, Dan Bailey missed the first extra point, uh, but he did convert every field goal after that. So he had a nice game and then Mike Boone comes in for Dalvin Cook, who unfortunately was injured. Once again, we don't have a f- complete timetable on what's going on there, but it there it It remains to be seen, but they did not rule him out yet for next Monday's game against the Packers. So that is some good news. And also Mike Boone filling in admirably getting, uh, I believe, his first and second career touchdowns Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday against the Chargers was a good thing to see with both Cook and Madison sidelines. So that is your gamer. Let's talk about the quarterback first and foremost, like we always do. Kirk Cousins, stat line isn't super pretty, 19-25, to 25, 207 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which probably needs a little bit of context there, but still an interception nonetheless, uh, and a 96.6 quarterback rating. So not great statistically, but from what I saw from Cousins and what he was asked to do, I thought he actually played pretty well.
0: He did. I, I thought, you know, you look at the stats there, and I mean – it's not glamorous in terms of the number of yards or anything, but he was efficient and that pass rating would look really nice without the, uh, interception, which, you know, that on the screen pass there, it's one of those where you have to give credit to Melvin Ingram for recognizing that and kind of jumping in front of it, but also catching,
1: actually catching the ball too.
0: Yeah. Well, also I, I kind of think quarterbacks are very, uh, reckless on some of those anyway, just in general, this isn't Kirk. This is kind of, um, on quarterbacks as a whole, like when there's a design screen, they just kind of, you know, they, a lot of guys just throw it without questioning anything else, without right. really paying attention to the guys around them. And, and that's part of uh, the reason
1: why those routes work is because you aren't thinking about it. You just know where you're going the ball and doesn't give the yeah. defense much time to react.
0: Right. But right obviously right. they reacted so, to this one. Yeah. And so, I mean, that a lot of that's due just due to Ingram being uh, recognizing that right away. Also Kirk, you know, I mean, there are times when obviously it's not there and it was a little too late to notice there, but, um, i think moving forward i think he's one of those quarterbacks that'll just um if the play call is calling for that screen uh he's not going to look to do anything else with the football he's just going to throw it there right and in some cases like this one it, it didn't pan out for him but uh, besides that play uh was you know getting very efficient uh made the throws he needed to threw a few darts in there too mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i think you know there was the feeling one on third and long there was um Uh, There was the the Thielen one where he also scrambled out to the left and Thielen kind of worked his way back to the middle of the field. The Diggs one down the field. I think Rudolph had one up the seam. That was a nice throw as well. So overall, I mean, he looked great. Uh, I didn't see. I mean, there's nothing to complain about, really. He didn't make any careless mistakes. I guess if you want to call the interception one, you can. But uh, he seems to be quarterbacking the offense pretty well. And the running game worked, especially down the stretch when they're kind of running out the time. Uh, Mike Boone really hammered home that victory so right. i do think a lot of this win was just simply uh, a, a result of the carelessness on offense from the chargers and the vikings just taking advantage of turnovers over and over and over but uh Absolutely. so kirk wasn't asked to do a ton and what he did do he was just you know he was pretty solid
1: part of the Part of the problem statistically in terms of volume is that when you're getting short fields every time, it doesn't give you much room to uh, rack up the passing yeah. yardage statistic. The Vikings as a whole uh, only finished with, you know, I believe it was under 350 total yards of the team. So there there simply wasn't much field for the offense to chew up because of all the the turnovers that you're seeing. I mean, there was multiple interceptions, multiple fumble recoveries, and a lot of the time the Vikings were still able to cash in. Now, was it a little bit disappointing to see a lot of these drives end in Dan Bailey field goals when they, you know, potentially had more promise to them? Yeah, it's it's disappointing. I don't think it's concerning though. I don't think this is something that, you know, that has been a trend for the Vikings all season long, not being able to get it done when they get into the red zone and you know, near it. So uh, that doesn't concern me all that much, that the fact that the Vikings weren't able to convert when they were very, very close. You know, that, that, again, it's not a trend yet, so it's not something to be worried about. It's just disappointing to see because this game could have easily been a 50-burger. You know? mm-hmm. um, so there is that, but as a whole, you know, when you expected Kirk to make a throw – uh, he made it, you know, getting first downs on third and long, uh, con- just converting third downs in general. He was very good when he was asked to pass the yeah. Paul. And then working the ball downfield, he continues to excel with that 20-plus yard air yard accuracy. You know, I I've seen people say that he could have led digs on that one, you know, deep ball that he had to kind of come back to get. But he was throwing off balance. He said it in his press conference that if he was able to, you know, set his feet, that he probably yeah. could have got a little well, bit more. Well, and power. that's
0: also one of those where it's it's kind of as a. I mean, I'm sure there's some mental gymnastics as a quarterback sure. when your guy does have like the three to four steps on on a DB the last thing you want to do is overthrow that and miss that opportunity. So you kind of play it safe a little bit, make sure you get the completion uh, more than, you know, you're trying to throw a dart perfectly in stride. So uh, I, I think I give Kirk more credit there than blame or kind of, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from that throw. You complete the pass, you give credit to Diggs for getting that open. uh, And you just, you really, I mean, yeah, they ended up scoring on the drive anyway. So it's not in the, in the end, there's nothing really to criticize about that throw. They, and ultimately ended in seven points.
1: Right, right. So the Vikings end up getting, well, Kirk Cousins, I suppose, being the catalyst of this. uh, Got a lot of players involved. We didn't see a big game from Adam Thielen, but it's nice to see him back on the field. Uh, You mentioned the one big catch. Uh, He finishes with three for 27. Solid performance. Not an Adam Thielen-like performance, but I believe that this is kind of a get-back-in-the-game game type of situation yeah. plus the Vikings were leading by so much uh yeah. late in the second half there wasn't many opportunities to yeah throw I mean ones. there was
0: a lot of BC Johnson involved early on too like a little bit more than you know we would have seen prior to the hamstring injury I think uh and that's uh, I think again like you said just they're getting Thielen back involved they didn't want to you know give him 100% of the snaps right away and BC's been playing well too you, right. you got to give him credit there and allow him to stay involved in the office I think he has earned a little bit of a role when Thielen is you know, completely 100% back, which it seems like he will be for these final two division games. So, I mean, overall offensively, I don't think there's, you know, at least with Kirk, it didn't seem like there's anything concerning, uh, I guess for there's me. There's no the real ones...
1: takeaways from this game. Right. Offensively. Not,
0: there isn't really, I mean, in some ways you could say that on the defensive side too just because it just seemed like the Chargers just didn't want to hold on to the ball and that was a lot of the, the right. result there. Right. Uh, it With Kirk, like, the one concern I kind of had and when this this is making me feel a little bit better. Is like, I guess it's it also pertains to the Vikings under Zimmer, like the whole era. But like, road games outdoors, like the Vikings have been very, uh, well, not great. I guess is is yeah. the, the term there. And Kirk is <laughs> has been very not great outdoors uh, in road games with the Vikings. And so to get one like this, you know, it, it I think it means a little bit. Uh, but I, like you said, the the Chargers just. They gave this one away too in so many ways. So it's not like it's a super impressive win, um, and, and Kirk definitely didn't do anything to wow me. But at the same time, he didn't really he didn't do anything poorly either. He did exactly what the offense was, you know, what he was supposed to do, what the offense called for. And so I think depending on how you feel about what he deserves credit for, what he doesn't, he played a Kirk Cousins game. He played kind of how he has throughout the whole season. Um, nothing spectacular numbers wise, just because the game didn't call for that many passing yards.
1: The, the big thing offensively, the one major takeaway from this game, if there is only one uh, is the fact that Delvin cook missed the majority of the second half um, with another upper body type injury. Uh, This could range anything from being, you know, a collarbone situation, a dislocated shoulder. You know, I've seen people throw around bicep injuries potentially, which is, would be really scary and be a very you know part of what makes me believe it's not a bicep injury is because if he tore something in there like we'd already be hearing about him being Mm -hmm. done for the year so uh, that's I guess some good news some reason to be optimistic but we just don't know much about that injury what we do know is that Delvin Cook is an MVP caliber player within this offense uh, and really within the entire league as a whole if you want to stretch it out a little bit you know he's he scored what 13 touchdowns so he scored Pretty close to 50% of the team's total points. You know, it's he's he's a very important cog within the structure of what the Vikings try to do offensively. Uh, I think the Vikings tend to be a team that is able to, you know, they they're traditional in the sense where they run to pass as opposed to pass to run. Uh, Dalvin Cook is really a kickstarter to that campaign. So this is a major loss, no matter how you look at it. Now. There's a couple of things about this. One being that we don't know the extent of this injury. He could potentially be back for Monday night and this entire point will be moot. Uh, so that's, that's you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing that we don't know much yet. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad thing in the sense that it could be worse and obviously it's a good thing in the sense that it could be, you know, better than I think a lot of us were f- very fearful of when we saw him go down.
0: Yeah. So that... I'll, also, I'll add though, like even, I mean, obviously if Cook misses the game, that'd be a, a bad thing. Right. Uh, but... I like the the one two punch of Madison and Boone if that right. were to be the next the big point step here. up, uh, and Abdullah has been okay. But I, I Mike Boone ran really hard in that second half, and I really liked the way he played. So if it comes down to Madison and Boone um, taking over those carries, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook is your stud and your probably top five runner in the NFL. I get that, but Madison and Boone bring an attitude that. You know, I think the Vikings offense could benefit from if it comes down to that, where maybe they need to limit Cook or maybe he's not playing at all. I like those two guys to carry the load. And I don't think this offense would see a huge drop off um, if Cook is to miss time.
1: It it is concerning long term because it does take a home run threat out of the backfield. I know how solid, uh, you know, Boone was yesterday and and Madison has been throughout the season. But neither of those guys are burners. Um, no, they're, they're not. You're not going to get a home run threat from either. You're not going to
0: get the 75 yarder against the Packers. That kind of brought the Vikings back into that game.
1: Right, right. The, and really, the only option that's going to give you that home run threat is Abdullah. And now he does not run between the tackles all that well. He can get to the corner and to, you know potentially take you for a long one, uh, but he is definitely not a every down back at this stage in his career and really never proved to be uh, at the NFL level. So you have a you're going to have a trio of running backs next week. It seems like. Uh, I, I remain hopeful, you know, about Cook as much as all of you guys are as well. But to be realistic here, do the Vikings have a shot against the Packers if it is Alexander, Madison, and Mike Boone? Because
0: oh yeah, oh you yeah, think,
1: you think that doesn't it doesn't change it? Di- you know, it's not a drastic enough change.
0: Oh no, they no. they 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 I would still favor them without Dalvin Cook at home against the Packers.
1: It's. It, it's, it's interesting because this leads to, this will beg a question that I'm sure that we'll have to touch on this offseason at some point, but the, the replacement value of just running backs in general, you know, it's easy to, it's quote, easy to find a replacement. Uh, and Alexander Madison has shown, you know, the ability to step in and be a starter yep. for a game. Uh, granted, this is a very, very big game and it's not an ideal spot for him to, you know, have to be the lead back if it comes to that. But he does give you that upside potential, and maybe this takes away from Dalvin Cook's value when he hits the open market, which is something that we'll have to talk about in what I believe a year or two, two. You know, it's coming up, he's gonna he's gonna get a new contract at some point. And this injury proneness that we've now seen for the last couple of weeks, and then also the last couple yeah. of years as well. I um, mean, it's
0: something to consider. I mean, for it's sure, it's something you to consider. To. Right, you have to, and I, I mean. I'm still kind of on that side where I'm not going to pay a running back, no matter really who it is a a big deal. I don't want to be the Dallas Cowboys and pay a running back 90 mil. And I'm, I firmly believe Dalvin cook is more talented and more effective than Ezekiel Elliott. But I would be, I would be upset if the Vikings gave Dalvin cook a deal like Zeke's. Uh, so, and if it, I mean, I, I huge fan of Dalvin cook for sure. Like it's just, the nature of the position nowadays i think where and again we have a lot more to see yet from like madison and boone and whatnot but uh it i i don't know i'm i'm hesitant on that hope that's a discussion for another time but you know right now uh i would if it came down to let's keep madison and boone as kind of like a one-two punch i would be okay with that instead of giving dalvin cook say you know 11 million to 10 million a year
1: it's interesting. And again, I think that's something that we'll probably talk about this off season as that contract negotiation discussion uh, rapidly approaches for the Vikings. In the meantime, uh, the hope is obviously that Dalvin cook gets better, uh, but you know, and I am with you to a degree, but it, it will be, I will be a little bit, I will be nervous if cook is not there against green babe uh, because of what he does bring to this offense. It, it just puts more in Kirk cousins, hands, which I'm beginning to trust again with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, fair. Uh, one thing I'll add is that green, green Bay's rushing defense has been just bad all year long. Uh, so in that sense, like, I think you can get away a little bit more with a cook injury in this game. Now, if it's the bears game, I think it might be different. Who knows? Um, that that's especially a game where you want maybe less in Kirk's hands than you would in the Packers game with that bears one, given how he's played against the bears last couple of years. But, um, well, meantime, main time I'm okay with Madison and Boone uh and I expose Abdullah if Cook were to miss against the Packers because I feel like the Vikings you know that offense can be as effective not as effective uh but it can be just you know absolutely effective enough to beat the Packers because I part of this too is I'm just not that impressed with the Packers but
1: fair enough and we'll spend more time on them next week uh or later on excuse me later on this week uh last question I have before we transition over to the defense if Dalvin Cook's injury comes back as being a week-to-week situation, where he could he could you know theoretically play if this is a playoff game next week and you know it kind of is a playoff game, it has that same atmosphere, yeah. I suppose. Do you is this a situation where you sit Dalvin Cook until the playoffs? Because ultimately, if the Vikings lose against Green Bay it's wild card or bust. And I think most of us are expecting that the Rams are going to lose to San Francisco and the Vikings are going to clinch before they even play on Monday night.
0: So there's that. That's, that's what I was going to say is that the, the Vikings may, we maybe will clinch a playoff spot before they even take the field right. Monday night with the Rams play in San Francisco. So if that's the case, I think you for sure take as much caution as possible. Uh, and, and I, and I know it's a big game division game, what, you know, but, um, I think to be a part of it, you have to calculate, okay, are the Packers going to lose to the Lions week 17? Probably not. And so from there, you kind of assume the division's not going to be one, right? Because they don't have the tiebreaker. Right. Uh, so I think you're, you're saying you're going to play a wildcard team. And the only other thing, though, to mention is that if the Rams do beat San Francisco, I mean, I think that this game becomes very meaningful uh, because suddenly the five seed comes into play.
1: And we de- uh, and the Vikings definitely would like to go to Dallas.
0: Yeah, or Philly, or whoever it ends up being, because both of those teams look. And, and I mean, Dallas looked okay yesterday, uh, but uh, it, it's neither of those teams are nearly as good as you know, San Fran or New Orleans or Seattle or even Green Bay. I might I might not bunch them into the top three in the NFC, but they're close. So it's uh, it's nice that they get to see how things play out over the weekend before making a decision on dalvin uh, they actually play saturday that rams niners game so uh that uh, they'll get time to make that decision but um overall if, uh, if if they've clinched a spot in the playoffs by that point i think and that would also kind of solidify them as a six seed i believe with the mm-hmm. niners you win that game so then right. then you kind of take it easy and uh you really take things with caution and make sure he's healthy for the playoffs
1: all right, definitely something interesting to monitor Dalvin Cook's status uh, this week and then, you know, seeing how the Vikings decide to work with him given the kind of circumstances surrounding the final two games of the season here. Um, let's cut into the defense now uh, before we jump into the score scale. You know, we've mentioned a couple of sticking points uh, being the fumbles. <laughs> the Vikings recovered four fumbles, a couple of them being their own, but uh, I Excuse me. They, uh, Harrison Smith had one. Trey, Trey Waynes had one. Ophedi Oden- Odenigbo had the touchdown. And then Daniil Hunter also had one as well. Philip Rivers also throws three interceptions. And Anthony, uh, Anthony Harris now, I believe, tied for second in the NFL with five picks on the season. Harrison Smith also got one. And then Mike Hughes had the big one uh, in which he uh, gave the ball to his trainer on the sidelines who helped him get through his ACL recovery. So that's a cool <laughs> moment in itself. Yeah. Uh, Vikings also got a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Um, Odenigbo was also in the backfield uh, for a sack. You also saw Daniel Hunter get back there for one, and then Jale- Jaleel Johnson uh, gave the Vikings some much-needed pressure up the gut with a sack of his own. So as a whole, this is, you know, about as strong of a defensive performance as you want to see. You know, on paper, this is as good as it really gets. Your Viking, your defense allows 10 points to a adept quarterback. Again, we have talked about this on the preview show. Uh Rivers not necessarily the guy he was, you know, ten, twelve years ago, but he's still in I, I consider to I consider him to be an adept quarterback because he's experienced, we know he has talent, and he's a track record. So it's it's nice to see the Vikings beat him in the mind portion. Anthony Harris definitely did that on his interception where he sort of baited him back to the middle. Yeah, he did. And I saw a couple of the climb the pocket guys mentioning that he looked like Ed Reed on it because there's literally a play in Ed Reed's career where he did the exact. That's same the one thing.
0: that uh, Belichick talked about on that uh, right uh, all-time team or whatever that that was that Reed was named to. Right. that was pretty sweet. And it does look a little bit like that. It's not quite the same, obviously, when you have Peyton Manning versus right Philip Rivers, but it's still. I mean, it's a similar concept there where he kind of baited him, was had his, his body moving one way. Bade right. him back to the other side of the field and picked him off.
1: So you've got an outstanding, you've got an outstanding defensive performance from basically all of your your big name guys, with the exception of Xavier Rhodes, who missed time um, yeah. s- apparently due to injury, but I think it's kind of a rotational effect is also in there. And
0: the seemed like Colton that- Hill got some more snaps too, which was yep. kind of good to see. That's uh, all. That's nice. Eric Kendricks, by the way, was dominant. Continues
1: um, to be dominant.
0: He's. I mean, I know. You can feel how you want to about Pro Football Focus. I think it's definitely a nice tool to have to kind of see one perspective on how the players are performing and he ranks uh number one in terms of linebackers right now. And I think I think he's number five in run stop run stops like overall players in the NFL. But then he also has the top coverage grade for linebackers. So he's like really your do it all linebacker and he should be getting pro bowl recognition, but we know the Pro Bowl is kind of a sham. So Right. Uh, but he's an absolute stud, and he's been kind of, I think, the best player on the defense this season.
1: He's been definitely been the most so. consistent. Uh, he um, consistently is racking at tackles. Right, and that and forcing a lot to turnovers,
0: because, because Daniil Hunter coverage. has been that dominant too. Right. So you have those two guys who I think are both perhaps the best at their position in football, uh, Kendricks and Daniil Hunter. And so that's a solid starting point. We're not even talking about Harrison Smith, who still I think is playing at elite level. You got obviously Anthony Harris baiting quarterbacks and two interceptions. Uh, If the cornerbacks could kind of step up, be more reliable uh, down the stretch here in, you know, come playoff time, I think this defense could be really effective. Kind of once again, the way they were a little bit 2017, 2018. So I think you have some stud players. I think I I did not like Hughes being matched up with Mike Williams so many times early in that first half. Yeah, that size mismatch was a problem. So if the Vikings are to be matched up with, uh, you know, a team that has a big physical receiver, you know, in the playoffs, I think that could be a problem. But. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. As for now, uh, very nice to see the Vikings take advantage of some really weak ball handling by the Chargers.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's the that's the one kind of caveat that I have to this performance is that when you have such good fumble luck and the other team is literally handing you the ball, it seems, at times, it, it's, it doesn't take as much, like, it obviously, takes the same amount of effort to get to that point, but like it's, it's it seems too easy, right? Like it's it not did. It,
0: some of those the the, the Gordon fumbles yesterday. Yeah. Both of them seemed right. like it was the, he lost the ball way too easy. It was like a Peterson fumble, right? Where it was just like the guy. <laughs> I think one of them was Samar Steffen maybe forced it, where he uh like it kind of just slapped his arm like it wasn't one, a peanut punch where like you went right, right for the ball. He just kind of it was basically jumping onto him to tackle him and his arm happened to hit the ball and that just squirted out. Like it was I and Gordon it, for as talented as he was someone out of that draft, he just isn't that good to me. And he's not I, I like I, I think I said this in the preview show. He's not the best running back on that team. And he certainly he's he's had fumble problems since he came back.
1: Eckler fumbled uh, yesterday too though. There is that point. This
0: is true. This is true. This but is everyone
1: true. was fumbling. Hunter Henry fumbled once, Phillip Rivers once five fumbles for the Chargers. You know, Vikings defensively uh, played an outstanding game front to back. The the question marks, as you said, remain the corner cornerbacks. Uh, Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams were able to compile a total of 13 catches and over a 100 and just exactly 160, 170 yards, excuse me. Math is not great today. So – The cornerbacks leave a little bit to be desired, I suppose. The safety duo remains one of the best in the business. Uh, They showed it in a big way uh, in terms of turnovers, you know, where people are actually paying attention. Uh, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, um, outstanding performance from them. It's tough to just give one game ball to this defense because there were so many guys that contributed in some sort of way. Um, Ultimately, you look at, like you said, Kendricks and Hunter probably being the catalysts um, of this unit and, you know, Daniil Hunter had a sack. He had one, at least one forced fumble. He
0: had two forced two, fumbles, according two. to the stat sheet. I thought the one was Stefan, but uh, maybe they. Regardless, he
1: I, he's you know put himself firmly into the defensive player of the year category, even though no one knows who he is and no one can pronounce his name on the broadcast. I heard Danelle, Danielle, Daniel, and Daniil all yesterday on the broadcast. Ridiculous. It, 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 what more does the guy need to do? Like does
0: he need to? It's co- just it's just his personality though. He's not. But he has attention. a sack
1: dance. He's putting up numbers. He's young. He's Zeus. But he's physique. like he
0: doesn't have the. So I'm I'm just comparing him to Nick Bosa, right? So Nick Bosa coming in, first round pick, ton of attention even before he played a professional football snap. He got the brother that plays, uh, right. you know, Joey Bosa, coming from Ohio State was always a highly touted prospect. All this stuff. Hunter, you know, really didn't have any college production. None, and then, none. Like, pretty much none. Obviously, he came from a big school, but he was still like a backup at LSU when he was there. He was just a freak athlete. And has kind of worked his way up on a team that really, I mean, to the casual football fan, a lot of player, a lot of people aren't going to know a lot of the names on the Vikings defense. Right. Straight up. I mean, Harrison Smith is kind of the same way, not seeking that attention. Uh, from the, Kendricks and,
1: is definitely yeah. in that category as well. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you just got a bunch of guys that want to do their job and want to win versus gathering the, the spot, finding themselves in the spotlight. So I think that's just part of it. And I mean, look, if you look at the product, the, the stats, seem, which is what seems to win these awards, Hunter is up there and probably has the best case. Um, but then I even saw Sam Munson from PFF said, well, I think Eric Hendricks has the best case, according to the PFF numbers. So you got two guys that are right on that Vikings defense that a lot of people just don't know are that good just because they play in Minnesota.
1: Let me ask you this and then we'll jump into skull scale. Does this defense for defensive performance do anything for you moving forward in terms of kind of being more comfortable with the defense shutting down offenses? Because this isn't a – like, I know they're handing the ball out like Halloween candy, but this is still a good offense. Yeah. Quality p- opposition, playmakers across the board. We went through all of it. I mean, they made them, they made them look bad, like really, really bad. And yeah. they're – I promise you the Chargers offense is not that bad. I promise you that.
0: I mean – they stopped the run pretty well They contained that um and i still don't like how easy like allen and williams were able to get open um right i think if you had a quarterback that could throw a ball with some zip on it it's a lot more dangerous you know like some of those deep balls they kind of were picked off maybe because they were just floated a little bit by rivers but um you know it, it was it was a solid performance i think they benefited from some again poor ball handling but uh, it was definitely better than you know the Seattle game, for example. Like right. at least in the Seattle game, like the the Seahawks were running the ball at will. The Vikings contained that quite a bit, and so I, from that perspective, I really like how they played. And uh, but I do think a lot of the the turnovers, whatnot. I think a lot of that was just simply the Chargers didn't come to play.
1: Yeah, I'm need to see more from this defense as well. But it's definitely nice to see that Gordon and Eckler were basically taken out of the game. Two mm-hmm. guy, two you know key focal points that we harped on uh, during the preview episode. And, you know, I guess it kind of is a win in itself to keep both Allen and Williams under 100 yards. Only one of them scored. I mean, it could Allen have gone a lot 99. worse. Allen
0: had 99 yards. That's <laughs> you're, you're, you're basing that out of a technicality there, but yeah. fair. It's
1: a, good, it's a good point by me. I'm raising good points. <laughs> so Anyways, sure. let's, um, let's jump into <clears throat> the school scale. Uh, gauge our optimism following this uh, trumping of the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say San Diego for the rest of my life. Um,
0: that, that, understandable. I mean, Right.
1: Uh, so the score scale, for those of you who have not heard it before, because we haven't done it in the last couple of weeks, just gauging your optimism on a 1 to 10 scale, a 10, of course, being the best, thinking that you, the Vikings are Super Bowl bound and will win that Super Bowl, and, you know, you kind of trail off with uh, your explanation as you work your way down the list. Uh, last time I was sitting at a 7, and I believe you were also at a 7.
0: I think I was seven or... It's been a while. It was after the Seattle game. Yeah. Was the last week we did it. So we were kind of a little bit down. We didn't get to do it last week because of my, I was gone. Um, so this is kind of almost in a way for me the last two weeks combined. But I feel kind of the same way about both games where they just really... They beat up on a team that wasn't playing well. Uh, the Chargers didn't play well. The Lions were really bad. I mean, David Blau just right. didn't seem like he belonged, which, you know, I guess right. that was to be expected eventually. Um, so I'm going to say... You know, they obviously they got two wins. One was on the road outdoors, which is not very Vikings like. So, to that to that point, I'm going to say 7.5. Um, but so I mean, I'm increasing it from before. But I, I mean, again, the Vikings don't have any like super impressive wins this year. You know, um, they they've really they've really beaten up on teams that they're supposed to, which they deserve credit for that. Right. Um, but they haven't. You know, that, that Cowboys game was it was impressive at first, but now they've kind of since then really tailed off. So,
1: Oakland can be the same thing about Oakland.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So, I mean, if this Packers game provides that opportunity, now, again, I, I still don't think Green Bay is that good. But yeah. I guess they th- this would still obviously be, I mean, they're right now the number two seed in the NFC. It would be one of those wins that, that, that you can kind of uh, tell the rest of the league, yeah, uh, you know, we belong in the playoffs. And so right. I think that will that would be, you know, a really big jump in my school scale. But for right now, seven and a half is where I'm at.
1: I'm sticking right at seven. Uh, I'm with you that these last two games really didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, but the reason why, uh, and I mentioned, I explained this the last time we did the skull scale, and nothing has panned out for the Vikings in their favor since that point. Uh, in terms of the scheduling around what the Vikings yep, are doing, this is true. The Vikings are doing their job. They won the last two games. They won convincingly both weeks. You know, they basically just asserted their dominance on both the Lions and the Chargers. Which, you know, there's not a lot to kick back as you mentioned from those two organizations right now. So. That being said, like, that's good. That's good that they won those two games. I'm happy about that. Uh, Cousins continues to play well. The Cook injury hurts, you know, in terms of. Because I'm thinking long term with my school scale here. And ultimately, what we have gotten to the point of, despite winning this game yesterday, is that the Vikings have two games remaining. It's highly, highly unlikely that they're going to win the North because, like you said before, Packers probably aren't going to lose it to the Lions. Uh, they beat the two teams that. You know, really had a true opportunity uh, to make this thing interesting. So, you know, with the Bears game in the past now for the Packers, I just don't see the Vikings clinching this division anymore. I just – I don't see a path for it, and that means that they'll be playing on the road. And if, you know, all things kind of pan out the way I'm expecting them to, they'll be the sixth seed, and they'll be heading to either Green Bay or New Orleans it seems like, mm-hmm. which is not something I'm super excited about, especially in terms of judging this you know team as a potential Super Bowl contender. I think they got the talent. I think they've shown that they can assert dominance like a Super Bowl contender. The fact of the matter is that their greatest strength they're not going to be able to use in the postseason and that's playing at home in u.s bank stadium
0: right so and that again comes down to at this point that comes down to one game that they lost the packers mm-hmm. game well i mean really any of those games they there it's changed but that packers game is really to me just the the, the killer because they played really one bad quarter in that game and then they were the better team for the other three quarters but that's and again the discussion and you don't want to bring
1: you right know now. you don't want to go all the way back to september to judge this team but ultimately like This is my argument. This is literally my argument for why division games should not be played until at least October, because this Vikings team is considerably different. It's more evolved. Uh, There's more innovation. More playmakers have gotten involved. We've developed some sort of, you know, comfortability with guys like BC Johnson, who we didn't know anything about in September. You know, Irv Smith has came on in a big way. Kyle Rudolph looks more like his, what, 2015 form. Um, the, over the last six weeks than he did, you know, coming into this year. We've gotten a lot of new information since that game, and it's just really disappointing that ultimately you're right. Like, that's going to be the straw that broke the camel's back is that stupid interception that Cousins yeah. threw that he – I don't expect to see that throw from him again, partially because I think he's scared to throw that ball, period. Now, but also because I think he's a better decision-maker now, making now than he was in September.
0: I mean, here's another question that yeah, we can kind of – we can. Touch quickly now before getting into the other responses we got, but I, I, this is another one of those scenarios where it kind of promotes the case for a playoff format that's not based on division winners in the top four. Right. Instead, you get because I mean it's very likely the Viking, uh, very likely that's they still got to win a couple of games, but the there I would say at this point it's very likely that there's a wild card team, if not more than one, that finishes with 12 wins. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll have a, a division winner in the NFC East that has seven or eight, probably. And so, like you know, there's – this has been a discussion for a while now, and we've had a couple – you know, I think the past decade or so, we've had a couple of teams at seven and nine in their division. So it it does bring up an interesting discussion. I, I don't know if I'm for that or not, but
1: – I love the rivalries, but I hate where the Vikings just, are right now.
0: Right, well, it just – it sucks that one game is going to be the difference between a first-round buy and – a road playoff game, you know, for probably the does, Vikings, probably the 49ers or whoever else would be that other wildcard team.
1: Yeah, it does. It definitely sucks. But, I, I mean, I, I like the format. It's just, it just – it's it's biting us this year. And that's why we're complaining about it. I mean, true. if we were in Dallas' spot, we'd be loving the format. You know what I mean?
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's – and it's also one of those, like, if if you really want that, you know, that home playoff game or that first-round buy, then just win your – beat the packers or beat the bears right with chase daniel playing quarterback like right i mean like it's, for, it's, sure, do like, that, for yeah. sure do that but for sure do that yeah uh okay we'll get to the responses here this is adam west a at, or at a west e1 uh he says 7.5 he said not sure why there would be a change it was a different version of the atlanta game week one we know at this point that the vikings win versus bad teams nobody should have expected a loss yesterday <laughs> and the team held up their end so i mean He's not wrong. Yeah, he's he's had this. I mean, he's a fun follow on Twitter because he likes to likes uh, to ruffle kind of some go, feathers. Likes to go against the grain in terms of the the Vikings uh, nostalgia. So, uh, you know, and he's right. I mean, that's the case this year. The Vikings have beaten up on bad teams, haven't had a problem with that. And then then they've played good teams. Ultimately, they come up short: Green Bay, Kansas City, Seattle. They, so
1: they like I like we mentioned before, we didn't really learn anything new from this game. Like, right. It doesn't – like, the defense played great. Like, that's helpful for me in terms of being able to trust them again in a big situation because because of the talent that Los Angeles has. But at the same time, they were they were handing the ball to the Vikings defenders. Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen again. It's just not like – it's not like they were making these sensational forced fumbles that, like, you know, pe- like you mentioned the peanut punch. This was no – this was no peanut Tillman out there. This was just like, here you go. Give it back to your offense on R40. Like, that's the situation that we saw for more of the game than not. There's just nothing mm-hmm. to take away. Like, it's it's cool. and They were dominant. It was, fun. It was, it was good f- for our it fantasy was fun. team. I started, yeah.
0: I started the Vikings defense in I fantasy. I did too. It changed, it it changed
1: everything for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was awesome. But just ultimately, like, I can't take anything away and be like, this player's better than I thought or this player's worse than I thought. Because the cornerbacks are really my only concern right now on this defense. And the only thing I learned about them is they're as inconsistent as ever. Whereas, you know, I knew Harris, Harrison Smith was good. I knew that Anthony Harris had ball hawking skills at safety. You know, I knew Eric Hendricks was outstanding in coverage and coming up as a run defender. I knew that Daniel Hunter was, is a beast off the edge. We knew all those things. I didn't learn anything new. So I'm with them on this. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it, – it, you... There's nothing really wrong with what you're saying there. Um, This is from Kyle Slaby at the Big Herman. He says, eight, I believe this team is talented enough to beat anyone, but I don't feel any of the wins have given me enough confidence to say that we will beat anyone. So we're kind of along our same line so far. Uh, But then he adds that he feels better about this team than uh, he did in 2017. So that's something. Um, I don't know how you feel about that comparison, but... I think I a trust lot this of what, offense
1: a hell of a lot more. I, than I think what he's saying teams.
0: is a lot due to just simply who's playing quarterback, uh, because I mean obviously Case Keenum versus Kirk Cousins, you're going to take Kirk Cousins a thousand times out of a thousand. And now, I think defensively, you have to trust 2017 that team a lot more. But right. uh, overall, I think I might take this team. It's just that they have to go play on the road, which sucks. Right,
1: right. I think I'm with you on that too because you look at the roster composition as a whole. Uh, it's a lot a lot of the same good things. the Xavier Rhodes thing is really kind of the kicker here. This is yeah. the difference maker. If you get twenty seventeen Rhodes on this team, I might be more comfortable thinking they could run the table on the road even. Because that shut down cornerback, like that really changes how you approach things as an offense. I don't <laughs> I don't know what Seattle would be able to do if Rhodes is shutting down Tyler Lockett. You know? I would, tr- I would feel a lot more comfortable heading on the road to face Mike Thomas in the playoffs at the Superdome if I know that Xavier Rhodes is going to take away half of his game at the very least. So from that perspective, that makes me lean 2017, but at the same time, I know Keenum was great. But I never trusted Keenum. No,
0: no, it was you you never did. You just never did.
1: I we got to the point in like week thirteen where I think we both kind of just agreed to be like, okay, this is Keenum's team. Let's see how he does. He's clearly gonna, you know, he's giving us a better chance to win than Teddy Bridgewater ever did. It's his team. It's his show. Let's do this. But you were always waiting for him to throw the back-breaking interception. You were never expecting. He threw those
0: interceptions a few times too. It just the Vikings were able to be comfortably leading in those games right. or they were playing into your opponents where those interceptions didn't matter. Right. Um, and then if you remember in that Saints game, he did throw one that well, he just kind of lofted it up. Mm-hmm. In that we forget about game. it, though, because and, of yeah, the other throw about he made. Because of the other throw he made, yes. Yeah. But so, I mean, overall, I think I – mean, You if trust Vikings... Cousins
1: with your life at this point. Like, he's been a top 10 quarterback this season. That's not deniable right now. This year, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback. I trust him more than – Three fourth, two two thirds of the league.
0: Yeah, so I mean that's, that's that, that gives be, me a fighting
1: shot. I like, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough. I, I would, would take love... twenty
0: nineteen. Um, it's just it, on a neutral field if everybody if every game is played in neutral field, I'm taking twenty nineteen. But the fact that the Vikings have to go, uh, well, a, the, I mean twenty seventeen, they got a first round bye. so that's a, another clear advantage for them. But right. Uh, the fact that they have to go on the road right. is is just—it's
1: just a different year, straight up. Yeah. like that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, why are the Niners this good? That's annoying. They, um, they
1: kind of rent, throw a wrench in this thing, huh?
0: Yeah. All right. The Last one from Matthew Creer. He says a seven, and, ha- and has nothing to do with the team. They could finish twelve and four and have to go on the road. The entire and they tired their playoff run. It doesn't bode bode for a ton of optimism. So he's kind of on the same.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, that's wavelength. what it comes like that's what it comes down to is that if if you knew if we knew that the Vikings were getting at least one home game in the postseason, I would expect one postseason win. Now that they're playing, you know, that we're leaning towards uh, we could pretty comfortably say they're playing on the road in the postseason. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh I I think it's a flip of the coin if they win. At the now. Before at the, it was like at the best, I would have
0: at the best it is. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who they play. If they play Green Bay, I actually like that matchup. Uh, uh that's the second time around. Um, if it's Seattle, maybe. I I, I just I don't want to go to San Francisco. I don't
1: Well, no, I don't know. Because San Francisco is like a – it would be – They
0: did just lose that home to Atlanta. so.
1: I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I want to see how the rest of the season pans out. But I don't like playing at Lambeau or the Superdome no matter what oh, – well, or CenturyLink Park Field. So those three home field advantages are not great. I don't. I'm with you, career That it's the fact that they have to go. They could potentially have to go through Lambeau and the Superdome just to get to the to the Super Bowl,
0: and it, then they have to play Lamar to the NFC Championship game.
1: Right, right.
0: Because then yeah. they have, It's it's, in, it's. They could go. They could have to play three of these. Four, they will have to probably to make it to the Super Bowl. They'd have to play at three of these four places. Right. They have to go to San Francisco, Lambeau, Seattle, Superdome. And they'd have to win at three out of those four places just to make it to Miami. Right? It's in Miami, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That just doesn't sound likely. That doesn't
1: sound likely either. Yeah. I get the seven. I'm with them on the seven. Hard seven. All right. Hard seven. All right. That finishes up our Vikings talk for today. So if you are here for the Vikings, this is the part of the podcast where you can turn it off if you like. (laughs) But if you you like to continue to listen to us talk about Minnesota sports, that's what we're going to do here. I want to start with the twins because I'm pissed.
0: Um, okay. Go for it. So Grant, but.
1: to catch you guys up on the hot stove, if you haven't been t- paying attention to baseball as of late, uh, every target that you wanted for the twins pitching staff is essentially off the market at this point, whether you were one of those people that truly thought the twins would consider throwing 300 million at Garrett Cole or not, doesn't really matter. He's off the market. Steven Strasburg, off the market. Now let's get into the realistic targets here. Madison Baumgarner signed for under $100 million with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay? So that's disappointing just in itself because he signed with a team that didn't make the postseason that really wasn't competitive last year and also traded away its frontline starter starters at Greinke to Houston at the deadline last year. So that's frustrating to see him go there. The only explanations, his wife wanted to move to Arizona – which I don't think it's likely because they've built a home in San Francisco. Why wouldn't they just stay there? National League team, so he gets to continue to bat and face pitchers, you know, in the lineup two to three times a game. Regardless, I just, that's really disappointing. Uh, I believe Hungjin Ryu is still out there, so I guess there's some level of optimism. I'm personally not a big Ryu fan because he's been a splash in the pan type of pitcher. There hasn't been real consistency throughout his career. You know, he'll have, you know, six weeks of great, you know, grade a baseball and then get schlacked for like 11 earned runs in in an outing. So I just don't trust him as a frontline starter, but he's still out there, I I suppose. And then there's also Julio Teheran as well, who I don't believe I've seen sign. um, And I'm a big fan of his from his early Braves days. So that would be the one target that, you know, I like remaining there. Uh, Rick Porcello signed with the Mets on a one year deal. I thought that was, you know, a situation where the twins could have easily given that money out probably even given him extra year on the deal and you know added to the rotation depth so that was disappointing as well what they did get was the one thing I didn't want they brought back Michael Pineda for two years on a $20 million contract this guy is going to make $10 million next year and he's going to be sitting half of the year on the bench because he has to serve out the rest of his suspension which is incredibly frustrating oh I didn't
0: even think about that
1: it's incredibly frustrating for a couple of reasons first of all you just you don't have him for April or May basically so, what are you going to do for April and May? Okay, so you didn't fix that problem. And we saw last year how important starting fast can be, given that the Twins were able to kind of grab a hold of everything in the way they played with April and May. So that's frustrating. The second part of it is, I don't like Michael Pineda as a player. I'm pissed. Like, I am, I am a traditionalist in the sense that I do not – And really, this isn't a traditionalist view. This is a real-life human view. I don't like cheaters, period. I don't like them on my teams. I don't care if it's PEDs with, you know, Polanco, that still frustrates me. Or, you know, putting extra slime on, some variety of slime on your mitt to get an extra inch break on your curveball. It's frustrating to me. I don't like that on my team. Now, the Twins did make one other move, which I like this move. It's just a very small move. They signed uh, Alex Avila to be their backup catcher slash platoon catcher depending on how they decide to use Mitch Garber next season. Uh, he brings experience. Uh, I think many of you guys probably remember him when he was with the Tigers. He most recently was with the Diamondbacks. When he was with the Tigers, he gave the Twins' fits quite a bit. He came up with a couple of big home runs against them. Uh, he's always been a good contact hitter. Uh, the point that I'm driving home here is that he's a much better hitter um, than what was the dude's name? That Was it... Castillo yesterday, yester Castro Jason Castro. He's a considerably better hitter than Jason Castro is. Uh, so you'll get a better performance at the plate from Avila. I also think that he calls a good game, and anytime you bring experience to the backstop, that's helpful for a younger guy like Garver who is still developing um, his that part of his game. Obviously, the bat is great, but it's nice to have that you know that good on-field presence to mm-hmm. call a call a good baseball game with a you know a less than experienced uh, pitching staff for the most part. So disappointing to say the least is kind of where I'm at. Um, I just, it's very, very frustrating to me to not. I'm I'm just
0: convinced that they, I mean, the twins, I think part of it is, I mean, obviously the weather uh, and part of it is you have the, the I saw people talking about the state income tax being a big deal. Like, yeah, because you're kind of forced then to really, really overpay. Not, I mean, not really really overpay, but really kind of beat other offers to get big name guys. Um, so, I mean, they would have had to offer much more than 100 mil, I think, uh, to get Mad Bomb, for example. So, right. I don't know. It, it uh, really the the Twins' recipe for for winning, you know, getting back to a World Series is going to be kind of what they did last year, uh, but then just hitting on a couple more of their prospects and especially in the pitching staff. Like, that's they got to really get what, something uh, out of
1: Cole Stewart. They got to get something out of those, you know, those three young names gratterall that came up and was a fireballer you know if you can stretch him for six innings and get a quality starter out of him that'd be big they got to get something out of some of these younger guys that you know devin smeltzer for example i assume he'll probably get a quite a bit of spot starter duty next season but if they can if they can get something if they can get a a number two starter of out of any one of those three guys that i just mentioned guys that have quality stuff uh that would be big to have, you know, behind Barrios. Then also you've, you know, you do bring back Oda Rizzi, which is kind of going overlooked because I think a lot of people assumed he'd be back. Oh, that's definitely nice to see. But as a whole, this has been disappointing. And the, the big thing that stood out to me was I, I, I can't remember who brought the stat up first, but it's been thrown around. The Twins have never handed out a contract larger than the one they gave to Irvin Santana three years ago. That four-year, $55 million. That's That's the longest contract that the Twins have handed out. So they really, like from the start, historically speaking, the twins were never even in the running for any of these pitchers that you wanted or that I wanted. It's frustrating. And I think that that goes back to the pole lads just not being, you know, ideal owners that they are not the Wilfs, mm-hmm. for example, the way that the Wilfs treat the Vikings. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, the Yankees can
0: go out and get Garrett Cole for 300 million. And it's, and it's not even a problem. It's, it's, must it, be nice.
1: It must be nice. Exactly. So that's my twins takes. Uh, feel free to share yours with me because I'm probably as frustrated, if not more so than you are. So, uh, let's. Uh, do you want to talk about the Wolves, or uh, got about... There's
0: not. There's not a lot to touch. I don't really want to. They keep losing. They're on a one, two, three, seven-game losing streak. Uh, the, pro- the nice thing is they're like a game out of the eighth spot in the West still, because the Suns are not good either. So, right. Um, okay. I mean,
1: how- can they turn it around? Is this fixable? Or... They can.
0: They can. Will they? Uh, Will they? Who knows? I don't know. They. They. They stink at defense which is not like a huge surprise at this point. Um, they rank, what do they rank? They rank, oh, they're, they're 19th in the effective field goal allowed. So that's fine. Uh, that's actually better than I thought it was. But, I mean, offensively, they just need to make more threes straight up. They're, they're bad at shooting threes. Uh, they, are, they are shooting the 28th best three-point percentage in the NBA, which I think we had this talk last time. Where they they shoot a lot of threes, they just don't make them, and I think that's the big deal. Like they their fifth three point attempts, their 28th and three point percentage made. Uh, so they need to tr- if if you know before the trade deadline in February, they're gonna have to you know find ways to trade for shooters, get a couple guys, get rid of Jeff Teague if possible <laughs> in that contract. Um, but he's been actually okay lately. He's been scoring some points, but uh, they need to make an upgrade at point guard, find someone. Um, whether it, I mean, if it's D'Angelo Russell, great. If not, they need to find someone that they can rely on a little bit more. And Rilko has been a little surprising on defense, not quite as imp- as, uh, as effective. So uh, there's just, there's a lot that has been a little bit disappointing. Um, but there's so much season left, and basketball's weird where guy where teams get hot and stuff. So if they can become an average three point shooting team, they'd make the playoffs for sure.
1: Well, I, I have lost my interest in the Wolves for the time being. So, uh, it's been hard. I don't, to pay I, don't, attention. I don't blame you. It's been hard to pay attention. On the other side, though, on the hockey side here, the Wild, yeah. the Wild yeah. is surging, legitimately surging at this point. You know, they're I believe they they've gotten a point in their last like eight home games, something like that. Uh, so they're outstanding playing at the XL. Which, by the way, I said never buy tickets this year. Definitely buy tickets because they're nine one and three at home. They're giving you a good matchup every single week. Well, multiple times a week. So. I was wrong about that. Hand up here. (laughs) Um, But kind of the big turnaround, which what's been nice to see is it it seems like the the Wild is going to get one more quality year out of both Stahl and Parise. I think the lat, you know, early in the year, I think most of us believe that both those two guys, especially can extend this out to Suter as well. Potentially, we thought those guys were cooked. You're. Now getting points out of stall in a big way, whether he's scoring or you know facilitating on offense, that has been really nice to see. And then Paul Fenton is sitting on his couch somewhere screaming because over the last couple of weeks, Ryan Donato and Kevin Fiala have kind of turned it on and shown the potential that you know when Fenton decided to get rid of everyone's favorite players, uh, the guys that he got to return, apparently not too bad. They're playing a lot better lately, so it's it's definitely nice to see some of those young guys start to pick it up. But you're also getting the contributions from the veterans that you're expected to. And Jason Zucker might be putting together his best year, you know, as a pro um, in the process of it. You know, he's facilitating more. He's scoring at the rate that we kind of have come accustomed to with Zucker and his speed. But it's also nice to see some of these younger guys too. You know, Erickson Eck has been good when he's been in there. Greenway has been solid. There's there's more to like on this roster than I think we – well, at least me. And I I, I would – I would argue probably we as well thought that this group had. Uh, there's more to work with now. We're not just necessarily praying for the Russian kid to come over here and start scoring some goals anymore. There's there's more to like with this team.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I haven't been watching any of it because I'm not a big hockey guy, but <laughs> I'm definitely I, – uh, I do have some tickets to a game in uh, February. So – uh, and I'm—I I mean, I got him a while ago, but I'm much more interested now in in the team and that the fact that they might be contenders at that point. Now, and they might be a little bit far from that at this point, be contenders, but it's they're at least relevant nice, again,
1: which is they're nice. relevant.
0: They're relevant. That's the key. So, and it's and,
1: and Stalock has been very consistent, where in the way that Dubnik has not. So, I, we might be seeing just a full. This this is clearly a transition year for the Wild, but we might see a lot of things shift to what will become the norm over the next couple years, uh, based off of the way some of these guys are playing right now. The younger guys are starting to step up. They're getting more ice time, getting more shots on net, more pucks in deep for what, for those of you out there. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a much more productive hockey season than I thought it was going to be already. Uh, and the answer behind Dubnik is nice to see because he was definitely very shaky early on in this year and really has been shaky all year for the most part. So... Maybe there's an answer there with Stalock. I mean, I'm not super, you know, thrilled about his long-term potential at this point, but it's definitely nice to see a, a better net presence than what we were getting from Dubnik earlier in the season. So, as a whole, I mean, this wild season could be a bit of a roller coaster. It could be a little bit more fun than I thought it was going to be. But ultimately, if they're going to miss the playoffs, I'm still here for the tank. Like. <laughs> like that's what,
0: you, that's what we talked about last time. It's like, yeah. just embrace the tank.
1: <laughs> yeah, they should embrace the tank if they're not going to get much better than they are right now. Because, you know, as you pointed out, they're not exactly contenders. They're just winning more games than – well, not even winning more games than not technically because they're losing a lot in overtime. But, you know, it, they're worth watching again. I'll, get, I'll, I'll say that. And it's the, really the biggest thing is just seeing some of those younger guys, like seeing some promise that you can kind of rely on um, into the future. Uh, there's been glimpses, and that's that's certainly nice to see. So uh, that's about all I got on the Wild. I think we've covered all our bases with Minnesota sports. Um,
0: Gophers beat, basketball beat oh, Ohio State. Gophers basketball that's, beat that's Ohio State. That's a big State. win. Storm the court. Um, that's pretty cool. But Because yeah. uh, like it's – it's, it, it, Big Ten basketball, I just want – I saw that uh, the stat. I think they're 13-0 and now this year. The home team is in conference play. So this wow. is pertaining to, like, there's upsets and – uh, basically, if you're the home team, you got a good chance to win. Which I don't know if that what that really means, like what that says, but maybe home crowds are that big a deal. Maybe Big Ten teams are just scared of playing on the road. At like, who knows? It
1: remains to be seen. It's not March yet, so. But that's but a very
0: non-Gophers win that you know Patino just kind of created, and I think he's. There's been some, uh, some talk of him. Maybe you know I think they just recently extended him, but. Uh, not you know he's been uh, the fans aren't exactly on his side per se maybe the approval rate's a little bit low and that one kind of helped
1: yeah for sure my Marquette Golden Eagles are not playing all that well they're seven and two they've lost two games this year which is too many by my standards at this point in the year without conference Ah. play setting in so
0: a little well they they went undefeated in football so they did in
1: 1964 or something like that and they just haven't played since yeah joke
0: I know (laughs) that's the point
1: Uh, Mankato State or, excuse me, Minnesota State, Mankato, is in the D2 championship this weekend. My buddy coaches for that team, so I'm excited to see that. Um, so, if your Johnnies hadn't blown it, the uh, Minnesota yeah, would know. have a representative in, you know, its hand. And I know, I know. But,
0: so, Jackson Erdman went over 5,000 yards for the year for the Johnnies, which was kind of cool. That's interesting. Because that doesn't happen. That's I think he was, like, he was like 28 yards from the all-time – d3 season record or something like that wow um and then their their his last pass of the season and his career was off of his receivers hands and into the opponents so that's good that's disappointing
1: all right well we'll uh we'll end the show on that backbreaker for you Uh, (laughs) nice so as always uh make sure to check us out on itunes stitcher google play uh wherever you get your podcasts with the exception of spotify you can find us on youtube if you prefer to watch the show Um, You can leave comments on that page as well. Um, As always, we are part of the Climbing the Pocket Network. You can find us on Daily Norseman there as well. Leave comments in that section. We always check those. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't subscribed or rated or done any of that stuff that I'm supposed to say at the end of every show, uh, make sure you do so. And make sure to give a listen to uh, our other podcasts within the Climbing the Pocket Network. I know that there's a lot of different guys contributing there. So if you don't like our personalities, maybe you'll like one of theirs. So um, <laughs> appreciate you guys listening as always. And we will catch you later on this week to discuss the Vikings matchup with the Packers. Thanks folks. Thank you.